Welcome back to part two of episode seven, or oh, it could I'm be episode eight. Yes, he's back. He came back to do more. We weren't just going to leave it um, hanging last week. Um, so we'll go with your next choice. My number three. Wait, I'm doing, yeah, because I'm doing five, four, three, two, one. Yeah. Um, my number three, I <laughs> only, yeah, my, my uh, number three is the only 40K one I've got. And I thought long and hard about this. And I, I thought about people, I thought about Fabius Bile. I thought about like, you know, being an edgelord and being like, oh, the emperor or sort of stuff <laughs> like that. But the edgelord, the, the emperor, I don't think is evil from what I know of him. And the Primarchs kind of seem to know what they're doing. Like they seem to believe in what they're doing. So it's like a, a pious evil rather than an intentional evil. Um, that so ends I, the means sort of thing. Well, you know, where they think they're right. Like you're saying yeah. about the Emperor, he thinks he's right. Whereas I class a villain as someone who knows they're doing bad things, but they're not going to stop. Like, um, And so I've picked uh, Asdrubael Vect. Oh, the um, the Dark Eldar fella, because he is possibly the most evil thing in all of 40k, uh, <laughs> because he knows exactly what he's doing and he's just a horrible person, you know. <laughs> and it's like he doesn't have the because you know, I think a lot of people compare sort of the Eldar and the Dark Elder to the High Elves and the Dark Elves, you know, like in fantasy, because they, they're all like 40k was very derivative of fantasy to start with, space elves, aren't they, originally? Yeah, yeah, where, you know, their, their law was kind of similar for a bit, then they became their totally different things, and then I think towards the end of fantasy, they tried to tie fantasy to 40k a bit, and we're all oh, actually, you know, uh, high elves have soul stones now, and, you know, things like that. Like, I think it was way shards that wood elves have and stuff. Um, but with the Dark Eldar, like, they are just evil. Like, they... they were. In order to live, in order to survive, in order for their souls to actually keep going, they have to they they feed on fear, they feed on suffering. So, like unlike sort of Hellebron, where she's bathing in the blood for her god's favor, favor, I come favor, favor. Um, I'll let it back in. It's fine. You know, like unlike uh, Hellebron, where she's uh, bathing in like sacrifice people's blood for their god's favor, like. The Dark Elder are going, hey, we need slaves, but we need to keep them alive as long as possible and make sure that their lives are agony so that we can <laughs> feed on the agony. And it's and it's all like, you know, the dark crystal where the scientist like drains the essence out of people and stuff like that. And then the Dark Elves are like, ooh, let's drink this fear essence and stuff and keep ourselves going. But it's like, but um, unlike Malekith, that he's like the equivalent character to, Vect is not he doesn't have a tragic story he doesn't have this sort of you know um anti-hero arc where he you know th you know things were stolen from him and that's like why he's a bad person and stuff but actually he could have been like a wonderful person and he could have been like the greatest leader of elves you know and that the world could have been a far happier place had this betrayal not been uh put upon him vect is just a bastard like vect is <laughs> He's basically born a slave and then just murders his way to the top, essentially, like, you know, because he's a crafty bastard. Um, and just is one of the cleverest people in all of 40K because he plays everyone against themselves. Like, he he's fully aware of his enemies and he's, like, has them all in his place and that the entire universe is like a chessboard for Vect. 
but where he doesn't care about anyone like he you know it, it you know while we talk about people who like you know like you say genocide planets and sort of murder people and whatnot when we talk about vect we're like yeah but he actually needs suffering to survive he'll kill his own people in horrendous ways and he'll even he doesn't even care about his culture like unlike malekith where he actually cares about dark elf civilization and he cares about you know keeping his race alive and stuff like that but at burning at the heart of it is is revenge against the high elves Vect is just like, yeah, I'll kill as many people as I want to as long as I stay in charge and this. So we have all these incidents. Like I think the I think the last bit of law that we have for Vect, you know, and hopefully they're going to expand on it, is that he actually opens up the the warp what is it in the uh oh what's the He's in the webway. Yeah, um, that's it. Uh he opens up the webway to like welcome Slanesh demons into the webway purely to kind of kill his enemies. So he's kind of like going, hey, let's get all of my enemies in a room, then we'll let Slanesh Demons in, and they can run rampant and kill everyone in Kimura, and I'm just going to... This is where he lives. This is the capital city of his... Yeah, and and he's just like, cool, and and that their only protection was that Slanesh couldn't enter the webway, and then the webway is so vast that they couldn't find them in there, and then he just pulls a trick like that, but then he's... Yeah, and and you know that there's some wonderful strategy behind it and that he'll come out on top in the end because he does kind of go and exit stage left, you know, at the end and sort of escapes from it all and manages to kill all of his enemies in the process without it seeming like he's killed all of it, you know, actually assassinated them. Uh, you know, and and he's he's crafty. And I think like, you know, we talk about Kemler, Kemler being so dangerous because he has the ability to actually do evil deeds like malik uh vect has that on another level like you know I, I think he i think he wipes out a space marine fleet by opening up a webway portal into one of the ships to make it crash into his the other ships so it's like you know the the video game portal where you kind of open up <laughs> things and so he just kills an entire fleet by doing that but i think he also crashes it into all of his generals that he's not particularly happy with so he kills all of their ships at the same time by using space marine ships against... I know the, um, the dark eldar are beyond it with liking torture and how they treat their captives and you don't want to be captured by them and there's also yeah. a, a layer of them that um and he'll have it because he's sort of the top man isn't he but they they are what the eldar were before Slanesh, the birth of Slanesh. So that's how far the Eldar I, civilization had. I don't. I don't think it was that they they were. I think it was like they are the extreme of the Eldar situation. And like you get with the High Elves, like because in the video I did a couple of weeks ago from the Dark Elf book, um, it talks about like the different uh, stages. You know, like what death is like for the Elves. And in eighth edition, this didn't exist before eighth edition, but in they went like, "Hey, when high elves die, they don't want to be devoured by Slanesh because Slanesh is like always out, sort of trying to get delicious elf souls. Uh, so they put their souls into soul stones, the same as forty k. Um, and the dark elves just don't. The dark elves are just like, "Well, if that happens, that happens. We'll uh, risk kind of, it. I'm just, I'm just going to live my life to the fullest." Uh, and so I think the dark elder are very much. You know, they're, they're very much like that, where they know that Slanesh is going to get them in the end. So that's why they sort of, 
live their life as fully as they can, but then at the cost of everyone else. Like, but uh, but I run like I I run a homunculus coven army for. It just sounds horrific. It, it is like it's it's just this sort of thing where like we talk about like fantasy isn't that dark. Like it's got really dark bits, but it doesn't get too dark. Like I think the dark elves are probably as dark as you get in like fantasy. Whereas forty k just goes, yeah, there's a guy and he murders people, and you know, like in horrific ways, um, like noise marines and stuff. Uh, and then you have it where like the dark dark eldar they live for so long that they get bored. And they get bored of sensation. So someone just kind of wakes up one day and goes like, oh, I think I'll go to the local doctor or homunculus and I think I'll get my skin removed because that'll like, um, that, that'll uh, make the day a bit more exciting, won't it? You know, when I'm in constant agony. Uh, just something to do. Yeah. yeah, that's it. They're like, oh, well, I think I'll get my limbs removed and replaced with hooks because a bit bored, you know, and and that's the idea and the the idea of they're living off their own sort of suffering and that the homunculi are just kind of like going cool let's do this and let's just mess around and let's torture people and stuff like that i mean it's um you know so the scary thing is that racks and stuff whether these horrible skinless horror like horrors where they're all like deformed and they're all mutilated they've done that willingly and you just kind of go wow that's really evil like it's not just killing people it's not just orcs being like hey we just came here we wanted your stuff so we murdered you it's not like the necrons being like this is ours get off our world kind of thing it's have you, have you used them in horrible have you used them in the game yeah what's it like <laughs> dark uh, what um oh do you mean vect yeah i know i've never played vect because he's no because he needs a fucking model <laughs> if you're listening Stop making Primaris bloody lieutenants and give us a Vect model. Well, their, their we... book is next, so you never know. Well, it does sound like they haven't done anything, though. It sounds like <laughs> they've gotten, there is no releases at all for this. It's literally just a book and uh... maybe some cards. Uh, maybe some dice. Ooh, but they'll probably have the witch cult symbol on, which I don't really care about. That's a bit of a moan there. But um, but no, but you just go, if there was ever one kit that you could charge 100 quid for that every player would buy, it's Dre- it's Vect. Because he had a model in, like, 5th edition? And he was badass, like, rules-wise. But, you know, it's odd. It's very odd for him not to have rules and a model in the game. But And now that, like, Air Games Workshop are kind of straying towards that hey, it's silly having this guy in the game because if he gets killed, that would massively change the lore of the universe. Uh, but now they're like, hey, here's the Silent King. Hey, here's Primarchs. Here's, you know... Uh, they took him in. Not? Yeah, that's it. So there's no reason now. You know, They don't even have that excuse of going, oh, well, he's a bit too important to just put on the battlefield. It's like, nope, put Vect in the game and make him as good as he... You know, I don't care if he's like a 700 points or something. You know, it's... Uh, but yeah, he. I have. I know. I've more talked about Dark Eldar society rather than Vect. But everything bad is true about Vect. <laughs> you know? Well, I, I would. I, I would lump, uh, lump that in because they are proper vi- unredeemable villains themselves. I think the Dark Eldar. Yeah, they're, they're not doing it for because they follow a god or they're deluded about something or for material gain. I think they just like inflicting pain as a way to evade. Well, that's how they get out of being kidnapped by Slanesh or yeah. something like that. Yeah, it, it, it's and it and it's. I think that you know. I think I saw, you know when you're on YouTube and you're watching videos, and then it goes, "You watched a 40k video. Here's hundreds of 
what is it, videos which are like sort of like um who's the most evil in 40k and speculative stuff, and you're like, oh, I don't I don't really care. But um and, and one of them came up saying, like, what's the most horrible thing in 40k? And it's like, oh, do you getting murdered by orcs or you know, sort of like, oh, um, like chaos or you know, being trapped in the warp or something, or being attacked by the turnids, and you're like no, it's it's literally being captured by the Dark Elder. I don't care what <laughs> other justification you have. The idea of going getting murdered or getting your soul sucked or something like that, like uh is that's bad, but these guys will literally keep you alive for like a thousand years beforehand, torture you within like an inch of your life every day of your existence, and then if you die, they'll find a way to keep you going. Cause like because the Dark Elder are kind of past death where it's like, because you get like the homunculi where they can bring themselves back to life from anything. So if like a bit of one survives, like a, a, chump, a chunk of flesh, then like the acolytes or the racks uh, will kind of grab it and then take it back to the lab and then go, right, time to bring him back from this because they don't have souls. They're kind of totally, they're, they're, their flesh is all they are, but that it carries all their memories. So yeah, it's it, not going to be quick if you're captured by the Dark El uh, Eldar. Yeah. It's not going to be quick death. That's it. And it's just the idea of like, so when you get homunculi that like want to die, like where they literally go onto the battlefield going, I need to find a new and exciting way to get killed today. You know, ooh, I've never been blown up by a LAS cannon. Let's try that, you know. And it's just such a strange, evil way of working. And it's totally, yeah, I'd say they're the most evil thing in 40k. <laughs> Good choice. Um, well, from grim dark seriousness, my next villain is uh, Warlord Queek. Mm. Um, that's, that's an off the wall one. I wouldn't have expected. It, it, that. I like. Well, he's just there's something about him that he's like he's not like the other Skaven. He's um, he's the handpicked champion of is it Nordwell, the chief of Clan Moors? Yeah. He's like the chief of the storm vermin, and he's he's not like the Skaven are typically the runaway, even their leaders are total cowards. They'll throw mm. everyone in front of them um, and pie the blame off on anyone else, and they're not brave. But Queek's like the opposite. He actually goes after personal combat, um, and he's also mad. So he's <laughs> he totally. When he, yeah, when he kills people, he takes trophies of them, who then he talks to them. And apparently this, the reason he's got hands on, I forget whose hands on his trophy rack, it's because the, he, he, the head had an annoying voice and the hands don't talk. <laughs> so he's like a crazy, brave Skaven, which is like, this is totally going against the grain of what the Skaven are all about. But I yeah. like him um, basically because he's, um, I don't like dwarfs. And he's... <laughs> instrumental in holding on to Carrick Eight Peaks and stopping the dwarves um keeping hold of it. But he's the chief of like the, he's got his own particular unit of storm vermin who are like even bigger than normal ones. Um he just seems like a he's just a fun character. I had him in his model's great in eighth edition, although it is fine cast because mm. for a long time they had the uh the old metal one where he's got like the, the two weapons. Yeah. Uh, but then he's like, he's leaping in the new one. It's, it's a bit more dynamic new. Yeah. Um, is that, so is that good for you though? Because I, I, I have a bit of a rant because of 
I don't like it when they try to make models like monopose, but really dynamic. And then <laughs> sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And you're like, how did it get this far? Like, like Khan the Betrayer, like I, that is the silliest model. I think the the new one of that, where he looks like he's skipping or tripping. <laughs> and you're just going, why did, why is this the final pose? Like why, you know, and it's very odd. And, you know, a lot of the models like do look great, but I would be tempted to be like, look, just, just have them standing up. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's hit and miss, especially with ranking up and storm vermin are so difficult to rank up anyway. Because I don't know who angled the uh, the halberds, but they don't work. Well, it, it, um, it's like Phoenix Guard, where you just go, you have to set, you have to rank the unit up as you're gluing them. Otherwise, yeah. these are never gonna. Or, or or right underneath tip X in where they go in the in the yeah in the the, the line. Uh, yeah, he's just he's just fun. He's just a. Uh, off the wall, he's not a serious character, he's, but he is a villain. He, he likes, you know, he's dedicated to find picking out dwarven heroes and killing them, or he's invaded the empire. And he, just, he just does what he's the enforcer for uh, Clan Moors. Yeah, um, but I like he's like he's almost like a spoiled child because he was picked out at a young age to be like, all right. This is what we're going to use him for. He's given yeah. all the best stuff. He's told, you know, he's given these magic weapons. He's given this um, magic armor. He's told he's the best. He's put in charge of like the elite unit. And then it's just like, let go. And like, well, of course, this is what he'd be like. Of course, he'd think he'd be the best. Of course, he'd want to challenge. Um, I, I, I think we're, we're touching on something here where it's like, so you're suggesting that like it's societal pressure that turned him into a schizophrenic. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 well, if you want to go deep dive into it, his entire culture says cowardice is the better way to advance, whereas his personal ambition is to be brave and challenge people. So there's like a tension there. That's probably yeah. a bit too much into it. <laughs> I, 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 I quite like it because I don't think, you know, you're saying he's a villain because like of the deeds he does. You're saying he's a villain because he's on the side of the bad guys, but he's a wonderful character. Like, yeah, well, yeah, way, like you were saying. Yeah, yeah, he, he is a villain. Um, like this, his aims are horrendous because he's a skaven, so he's not <laughs> going to want anything good for for um, anyone who's not a skaven, or even if they are. Um, but he's just a he's just a fun, like he's not world changing, but he is. He's a good character. He's um, I like his background. I like his one. He's really pretty good. Yeah, because a friend of mine, it's it's been really annoying because like um, a friend of mine got into fantasy just before the pandemic, so he kind of started working on armies, and we played like a couple of tester games. That probably some of the last games I played actually. Um, and and then obviously the pandemic happened, so he's been kind of working on all these fantasy armies and getting really into the hobby, and then not being able to play at all. So he keeps me on the list, being like, "Hey, okay, okay, I've decided I'm going to do a Skaven army," and he's bought bought all of these models already. Uh, and then he's just like, oh, how's this? And he's got like Queek and then Queek Storm Vermin and stuff. And you're like, it's actually a pretty good list, but it's a shame that he can't use it. You know, like yeah, just to for, to see how it works, really. That's it. But uh, I've, I've never fielded Queek. Like I, I don't think I've ever used any. I think I've only used Death Deathmaster Snitch. He's the only um, Skaven character I've ever used. Well, the other Skaven characters are like they're all well. Thankwell is like. I don't know. He's like a. Is he a joke? He's borderline joke. Joke serious, and he? he's like, "I'll get you next time." I, did, I but, think it's 
he, he I think he nearly Tankwell nearly made my list, but I don't know enough about him. Like I'm not too into the Skaven lore um to to be able to sort of safely say, oh, he's one of the greatest villains. But I do I, I really like him and I think rules wise he's very powerful. I mean, they, they brought out like the end times rules for him that were silly. Like it went a bit too far, but it went to the point of going, now you can't field him. <laughs> Unless you use the silly twenty, like fifty percent Lord's allowance, uh, yeah. but in, in the, oh, in the actual Skaven book, he's pretty good. Yeah, but like they're they're all like the high, like the they're trying to manipulate things in their own interests. Oh, Thankwell certainly is. Queek's like he's like the the head doorman or something, or he's like <laughs> he's just he's like a mob enforcer. <laughs> And they just say, "Yeah, we need it. We need you to solve this problem." Um, when they don't need, when they can't do it by subterfuge or whatever like that, they've got this guy that they can just say, "Yeah, you deal with it because it's it's in your era, uh, it's in your area of expertise." Well, and, and, murder. yeah, well, not even murder, just like being a crazy, challenging hero character, but for bad. But they should they should do it where he sounds like like Hitman or something where he yeah, sounds, he's a bit like that. Maybe but... we could get Queek Headtaker in like a suit or something with like a silenced <laughs> like pistol and then just comment below. Do that. Yeah. yeah. Anyone with Photoshop skills, that's what we want to see. Do it. Um I've I've never used him. I know he's got this rule where because he doesn't trust Grey Seers, you can't have him and a Grey Seer in the same unit. Hmm. So his fluff sort of um, blends over into the tabletop. Um, and he's been in the game for ages. I remember uh, my friend had... Did he have him? Certainly had the, the Skaven he's, Codex. He's always been in. I, I, I'm pretty sure he was back in fourth. Yeah, he was in fourth. Uh, I think that metal model I remember him is in mm. fourth. Um, so he's just sort of like a villain that's... As far as I've been into fantasy, he's been there and I've known about him. Um and he's just—he's like a, a non—he's not a joke character, but he's not—he's not serious. And I—I like, I don't think any of the Skaven characters are serious. It's—it's it's one no. of those ones where it's like all of they're, they're very much a race where they're taken with a pinch of salt. Like where Skrulk's probably the most unpleasant because there's nothing yeah. really very funny or amusing about him. But uh, <laughs> well, I've gouged my eyes out because the Nurglitch is such a. I... Like I just think if you put a laughter track on it, anything's funny. <laughs> You've been <laughs> watching the Big Bang Theory, haven't you? <laughs> Let's not go that far. <laughs> that was it. That's just quick. Yeah, that's it. It's like, um, now, my my next one, my number two, uh, is probably going to be a surprise that it's this low down, but it's actually Nagash. Ooh. Naga, because now you're going to be like, ooh, who's number one there? I'm going to write down who I think is number one. Okay, you write down who you think is number one. Um, But yeah, Nagash. Like, I, I probably won't talk very long about Nagash because his history is, like, epic. And he's he's one of the most evil things in the Warhammer world. And he's, like we were saying with Moonclaw, he's totally separate to everything. He's, like, an additional threat. Yeah. Chaos. It's the fact of, yeah, Nagash is like a threat to everyone because the fact is that if Nagash wins and destroys everyone, then Chaos doesn't have any worshippers. 
Uh, and if he murders everyone, well, that's kind of bad for everyone else. Like, <laughs> like, but to the point where he's so powerful and he's such a threat that, you know, he's he's hated by everyone. I think the only person in the Warhammer world that seems to kind of like him is Arkham the Black. And I think that's kind of Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> Ark and the Black's like, mm, well, got really nothing to do. I'm a bit, you know, because Ark and the Black, I, I think they gave him like a love story in, um, in the I think it was the the Mike Lee Nagash novels, which are amazing. Go and go buy them. I think they've released them all in an om- omnibus now. But the Mike Lee uh, Nagash trilogy is brilliant. But they and then I think they did the, uh, what's his name. Josh Reynolds, uh, who was amazing and did like the Blood of Nagash series where he kind of elaborated on uh, Neferata and elaborated on Wasoran and didn't get much further than that because the end times happened. But gave him like a a love story where Ark and the Black was in love with Neferata. And then when she spurned him, Ark and the Black is like, well, all I've got in my life now is is serving Nagash. So that's what I'm going to do. So every so when oh, Nagash dead, Arkham friend zoned into uh, yeah. cash worship. That that's it, you know, and and he's fanatically loyal. I think Arkham the Black um, to Nagash, where even at the end times, he's like, "Yep, I'm bringing him back. He'll destroy everything, and he'll probably stop me having a will of my own." But nah, some men just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's got a, a very long list of uh, negative impacts on the world. Uh, <laughs> I quite I quite like Naya Nagash because he's he's a problem solver. <laughs> he's, he's definitely a problem solver in terms what? of going I'm not gonna be the king, so I'll murder the king and take his yeah. and take the throne. I mean, he he's just crafty. He's but Nagash he's very, very tricksy. Like he you know, he and and this is obviously me, like uh, as a gay person coming uh I quite like the idea of Nagash because he's got that kind of Sort of grand vizier, like the um, what's his name, Jafar from uh, Aladdin, Aladdin vibe, where it's this idea of going, yes, he wants Jasmine, but he's a massive gay, like <laughs> you know, underneath it, like he he's someone who has absolutely no sexual desire whatsoever. Like he's he's kind of, and I like this idea of like I don't know, like I, I think new interpretation I, of Nagash. I'm, okay. yeah, I'm, I'm gonna put it down as Nagash is a gay icon. Fight me. Um, <laughs> yeah, he certainly has uh, got a fabulous hat. There he does in the end times model. That is that is a, a, a très bien chapeau, I think. <laughs> but, um, but like his, his list of negative impacts on the uh, the Wuhan world would be uh, invented necromancy, yeah, which from dark elves. So he, yeah, yes, tortured dark elves, yeah. um, poisoned the Great Vitae River, ending. Karen civilization. I'm willing to say that's one of my favorite things in Warhammer, where he basically he gets defeated, and rather than taking it like a champ and being like, "Oh well, you know, I guess they were more powerful," he's just like, "I poison their water supply." <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll kill everyone <laughs> ever, and then raises them all back to life. Yeah, uh, as his servants, and nearly gets away with it if it wasn't for the pesky Skaven. Who so he he does this he. Poisons the water supply, kills everyone in their entire land, and then goes, right, I'm going to do a rich... I'm going to eat fuck tons of warpstone. I'm going to do a ritual to raise all of the dead in the entire land across, and then I'll just take over the world. I'll uh, do it that and, way. <laughs> and, and he does it 
he actually pulls it off, does it, but is so tired afterwards that some, uh, you know, uh, Nehekaran bastard, um, you know, Al Kadazar. That's his yeah. Name. I, I never, you know, one those words where you read it in novels and you're like, "Thank God, I don't need to say that," because <laughs> uh, we're not going to get into Tomb Kings for a while on the channel. Um, <laughs> spoilers. Uh, Al, yeah, Al Kadazar, like with the help of the Skaven, kills him while he's tired, uh, like while he's worn out, and you just like, but then obviously the dead still stay around because that's how powerful the spell was and they become the tomb kings and they kind of go like so technically he created a whole race you know yeah he did. He's, well inventing necromancy bringing the tomb kings back uh being responsible for vampirism in yeah. a roundabout way i, I um because I, I think they've they've retconned it a bit because he invented vampirism by creating a he created a potion like a it's the elixir of life, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, the elixir of life, where it basically it does actually just make you immortal. Like, there's no downsides whatsoever. It just makes you mortal, but you don't like the sun, like kind of thing. You're a bit like, I don't really like that. But you're effectively immortal without a downside. And then I think in the Mike Lee books, they have it where Neferata tries to recreate it with Ark and the Black's help, and then they get it where it it gives you bloodlust where you do stay alive, but it gives you like horrendous bloodlust. And that's when the vampires get created so that they're all like her progeny. And it's still, you're still in a roundabout way. Responsible yeah, that, that's it. It's, it, it's all this idea, but I think vampires wouldn't exist because I think what happens is when Nagash comes back the first time and he go, and all these vampires like Basauran and stuff are like, Oh master, you're back. We will worship you. You know, like kind of thing. And all the other vamp vampires are like, we can take him. Oh, Okay, we'll do what you say. Uh, yeah, it's, it's bound to his will still, aren't they? Because he's that's it. Because I, I think I think the thing is that the vampires are separate to Nagash. Like they can't be bound as easily to his will. Like he can't just go click his fingers and take control of them. But they feel a calling to him. Like they they feel a, a calling from him, and that they can't get him out of their head. And you know, and they go, it's just going to be easier if we just do what you say. But hope that you die one day, and that we can get back control. Which is what happens, but um, but you know, and he's kind of like going, "Ugh, what the hell are you? You know, like you're not what I wanted." But oh well, you're pretty good at killing stuff. I guess I'll let you live. Well, bad, bad choice of words there. Let you remain dead. Yeah, that's I'll let you exist. You know, uh, so he's not like, and it's quite good. I like that about Nagas that he's kind of. You know, like we even get horrible stuff where he creates ghouls, where he literally for a laugh makes people cannibals around the his mountain Nag Nagashazar. Nagashazar. Yeah. Um never needed to say that out loud yet. Um but around his mountain where he just for a laugh just goes, hey, there's loads of people living here and they started worshipping me as a god because I'm a big sorcerer. I'll tell them it's cool to eat each other. And and then over years they become like this ghoul tribe that you know worships Nagash and he's just like <laughs> lol. <laughs> it's yeah. You can't have a conversation about Warhammer Fantasy without Nagash appearing at some point, and I think that's what puts him so high up on the pantheon of villainy. He is like, I know later on it became more uh, Archaeon, but he is really the big bad of fantasy. Yeah, because uh, he, he's inevitable. It's the yeah. idea of going, cool, you beat Archeon, cool, you killed Malekith, or, oh, cool, you know, you've you've uh, toppled the Skaven kind of thing. That's great. Nagash will still win. Nagash is inevitable, you know, unless they do something about him. And in 
the fantasy law that we got, they hadn't. Uh, and that it was only it was only like true heroes that defeated him. And uh, and I think when we define villains, we define villains by the heroes they create to oppose them. I think. And so we have characters like Alcadizar, we have characters like Sigmar, we have characters like where he doesn't get defeated the next time, really. Well, uh, Manfred, I suppose. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> a dick, but no. So he doesn't die like in his third uh, carnation. But Alcadizar goes mad. Like the what the he's already gone mad from the destruction of his kingdom. But the warp, uh, the fell blade destroys his sanity, and yeah. he just disappears. And then Sigmar is the only one who. Comes well, out of these conflict with him sort of unscathed. Technically, sort of what because what happens in um the Sigma novels, I've got them on my shelf. Who are they by? The Sigma novels are out of my eyeline. Um yeah, but the Sigma in the Sigma novels, they have it where Nagash kind of possesses Sigma for a good few months. He does like a proper mm. oh, what's it called from Lord of the Rings? Um like yeah. Theonor. Theonor, where it's like Saruman possesses him. Because uh, we have it where Sig Sigmar finds the crown of Nagash uh, in what's that place called? It's a Bretonian place. Um, uh, yeah, because he sort of goes a bit unpleasant, Sigmar, when he's wearing but, the crown. But he, yeah. he's like he's the only person who's manages to take it off. Yeah, everyone else can't he's resist strong the power. But it's the fact of otherwise he probably would have been possessed by Nagash and like become like an, 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 an uh, incarnation of Nagash. But he's strong enough to do it, but obviously it destroys his mind. And while he does manage to defeat Nagash on the battlefield, you know, he it, it, he suffers for it. You know, and then obviously the way Sigmar ends is that he he just kind of gets old, feels a bit sort of tired and worn, and then just wanders off into the wastes to die. And then they're like, cool. Well, I think he's going to become a god. Um, We've just decided that. Well, I, I get annoyed because I like the idea that Sigmar wasn't a god. Like that there's some that you know the humans believe he is and that everything's based upon faith. And so he's a different kind of entity in a world where we have actual gods like Cain and uh, Moore well, and Bing. I like the um I like the ambiguity of it in that did he become a god? Was Ulrich yeah. really answer is Ulrich really answering the prayers addressed to Sigmar? Like what's yeah, going on? that i love that idea and then obviously like in the end times they're like oh it's carl franz has been possessed by like sigma you know yeah he did become a god here's the answer yeah, yeah. in age of sigma where you like i think this is the thing like regardless of what happens with sigma's law because luckily age of sigma is in a good place law wise simply because they've kind of ignored everything they did previously where you know because when sigma came out it was just like this is terrible. Like, this is awful lore. Because it was like going, hey, the world exploded. And then Sigmar appears and he's a god and he goes off into space and he meets a space dragon um, with a big, long winded, possibly copyrightable name. And then that space dragon becomes his friend and then he teaches him how to rebuild planets. So Sigmar goes back to the planet and he brings it all together into realms that look suspiciously like those from Nordic mythology and the Thor comics. Uh, and then Sigmar creates loads of people. He learns how to create people, and he brings people back from the dead. And then he brings the Chaos Gods back because that's a great idea, and he brings Nagash back because that's a brilliant idea that's never going to backfire. 
It makes uh, perfect sense. And and it just and it's this train of thing of just going. So what? And then and then he sort of takes com, win you know like uh, rules the entire world. Everything's hunky dory. And then chaos goes. Oh cool, we're back. And then they destroy everything. And then he's like, oh okay, I'll create Stormcast to you know like conquer, reconquer it. And you just go, yeah okay, scrap all of that. Like if they'd made it where Age of Sigma started with like wanderers in a wasteland kind of thing and that it was this fully evolving rule set where the armies didn't know where they were that would have been really cool but instead it kind of starts being like it's been 10,000 years no it's been like 40,000 years since the world was destroyed and all this stuff has happened and we've got all this story that we'll go into later but and you're like you could start anything that way you know like why <laughs> it's not really a continuation it's literally they could have just made a whole new game that's nothing to do with fantasy not based upon fantasy at all and had it separate to everything it certainly with, didn't have the best they have Age of Sigma but luckily they've got I think it's in a good place now in terms of the the authors have enough to play with because I think at the start they were just given nothing they just went oh here's a book on Nordic mythology um go <laughs> Don't use any of this. Well, but that's it. But then the problem is all the authors were just like, oh, shit. Um, well, can we have characters coming back? All right. So all of the books are like, you know, they go, hey, here's a character who is suspiciously like Krell, but we're not allowed to say it's Krell because um, Games Workshop will tell us off, but it's Krell. Um, oh, you know, Balthazar Gelt is back and he's a Stormcast because reasons. And, you know, oh, go Gotrek's back. And yeah, it winds me up. Um, and I think they've kind of ruined Nagash a little bit, but... I think I think if there was one character that you could get from Warhammer Fantasy and turn him into a cartoony version of what he is, or a Saturday morning TV series like cartoon bad guy, it was Nagash. So and Nagash is Skeletor, in effect. Yeah, effectively, like he's this sort of you know because he because you know like we talk about in fantasy where he gets killed twice and then he's like around the end for his third incarnation, I think. Um, in Sigmar, he's died like three times before Sigmar starts because um, there's been a war and then Nagash went, oh, I'm not going to listen to you anymore because they, him and Sigmar were besties and then Nagash betrayed him or something. And, then, a... him, and then he came back and then Archeon killed Nagash again. And then and it's, it's literally just like, oh, yeah, there's all this story that we're not going to go into, but um, it puts us into a, the position we're in now. It's. To, to a fantasy bitter ender like myself, uh, Sigmar and Nagashi were friends? What? Yeah, no, no. Sigmar is so fucking weird because it's effectively this whole, hey, it's us against chaos. And then he's sort of like going, but no. Like, like I, I yeah, find... That, that, was, just... that was Vlad's justification and they, they didn't go for it in the Warhammer world. So what's changed? Well, it worked for a bit. Like, it was, it, I think it was wonderfully done, like this uneasy alliance between sort of like Vlad... Vlad von Karstein and the Empire. And I think it was done very well. Whereas Age of Sigmar kind of just expects you to believe people are okay with Marathi. Like, you know, that people are just like, oh yeah, she's a good guy. And then like, oh well, she's not she's a good guy in terms of how you feel her, but she's not really a nice person. And you're like, not a nice person, you know. <laughs> and it's a strange thing, and you just kind of go like and it's just, it's a bit weird. Like, it's a bit, I think it's that the cartoony nature of things. But in the latest supplement for Age of Sigmar, we've had where Marathi has actually sort of shown her true colors and she's kind of messed everyone over. So the, the latest bit of the story so far, 
ends with her sort of fucking over the Stormcast and Sigma and being like, okay, I'm going to start the Dark Elf Empire again. On the battlefield, um, speaking about the end times, one of the few things I actually liked about the end times was when they brought out the Nagash model, which, as I have alluded to, um, he's got a massive, he's got a very impressive hat. Yeah. But that's like, that's one of the best late era eight things that they did. It's, it's such a good looking model. It, it, it was it was fantastic. I've still got the white dwarf on the shelf uh, next to me. Um, it, yeah, it, it was absolutely fantastic because it inspired people. Like the amount of people I knew. Like I think Games Workshop massively misjudged the end times because it was it was a massive. Because the problem is that they did this thing, and then everyone went wild for it, and then it didn't last long enough, and that they kind yeah. of obviously didn't have any follow through with it. So you had like. You know, they went, hey, here's the end times, here's Nagash, and then all of, and then, oh, and also we've made it where vampire counts and tomb kings aren't shit anymore, and you can merge them together into one force that's really, really like competitive. Like, you know, where combining them together and being like, hey, it's tomb kings, but they can march. You know, if they're within 12 inches of the general, and oh, it, they don't crumble anymore, kind of thing. So you can be risky with your vampire lord and stuff. Yeah, so um, you've got your you've got your new combined rules. You've got your uh, issues addressed. You've bought your fifty pounds uh, Nagash model and painted them all up, and then they blow the world up. Yeah, and that, that's it. And then and like loads of people were just kind of like going, "Oh my god, I'm going to start Tomb Kings if if they're viable in the game. I'm going to start them, and then we're going to have this cool thing led by Nagash. Oh, it's going to be amazing." And then yeah, and then obviously that lasted like a sort of was it four months? The the end times lasted. Yeah, I don't know, long. or six months, maybe more than that, but. But it was the fact of, you know, everyone started Tomb King's armies and stuff. And Games Workshop were probably sitting around being like, oh, shit, okay. <laughs> well, you know, it's like it's like if they put the Bretonians in the end times and gone like, hey, here's some updated rules for this army that hasn't had a codex in like two editions. Uh, you know, and then, you know, and then and then they go, oh, well, actually, we're getting rid of them all. So, uh Fuck you, <laughs> you know. But you know, remember the books? Like the when the books came out, they just sold out instantly. Like you know, the end times books. Like you know, I had to wait. I had to wait a month for was it Kane? I think it was Glockkin actually, because the special edition of Glockkin, like the hundred pound limited editions Glockkin book, sold out in minutes because they obviously hadn't expected as many of them. And you're like, yeah, this is what happens when you put like a focus on something, you know. Like when you put a focus on fantasy rather than it just being 40k and, you know. <laughs> well, it, unfortunately, it didn't turn from their uh, decision to uh, kill it anyway. I, I think um, it was because I, I, if you see the interviews with the guys who developed Age of Sigma, they were like, it's not ready. You know, they were very <laughs> kind of oh, you like, don't say. <laughs> it's not ready. And then I think Games Workshop were like, nope, get out the door. When it came, when it first came out, because I was like, "Oh, thank God, it's like a skirmish game, so I can get my mates playing." Because if I can get my mate to buy like a box of skeletons or a box of chaos warriors, and then we can have like little sort of you know two hundred point game kind of thing on on the coffee table, and uh, then that'll kind of get them into the hobby and stuff like that. And and you know, and I was like, "This is amazing." And then and then what happened was because the rules were so vague and just there, nah, uh, the chaos warriors always won. Sorry, I've gone totally off topic, but I was talking about Nagash. I I don't want to say too much more about Nagash because there's so much to read and there's so much to him. And I don't think anyone listening to this is going to deny that he's an evil bastard. <laughs> Adam picked him for um, his 
character one and I had to cut so much stuff because you can just talk about them forever. Well, but that's um, it. Because he's been in it forever. You know, we, we talk about sort of like uh, Moonclaw, not much on him. Heinrich Kemmler, he's been, in, I think he's in two Gotrex and, Gotrek and Felix novels. Um, but essentially, he's not really sort of, there's not too much lore in him. He's just always there at different events. But Nagash, we have novels, we have, he, he's the Sauron of uh, Warhammer Fantasy. Like he's the, he's the threat behind the service that's always there. Well, linked to Nagash is my uh, penultimate choice, which is Neferata. Oh, right, Neferata. That's a. I wasn't expecting to see her on this list, um, and that's because um, she. I, sort I, of... I, I I think is it because you hate women? Is that is that what this is? Is this? Well, <laughs> I, I just think that you know she's a strong, independent woman who's who's made her own. Way in the world in she, through ancient Lamia, and she's murdered a few thousand people, and she's created an entire race of uh, vampires herself. But um, she's but got spice bowl on VHS. She's uh... okay. That is pretty evil, you know. <laughs> Apparently, you can't even buy that. Spice World anymore. It's so bad that it hasn't even had like a trauma DVD release. Or I need to get the Blu-ray. <laughs> anyway, that's got nothing to do with Neferata. Um, yes, she is a strong, independent woman who started vampirism, um, which has infected the empire and human worlds, uh, human nations ever since. So she's had a destabilizing influence on that. Um, she well, pick faults, I suppose. <laughs> well, that's, she's a villain. Yeah, um, but she's—I mean, she's quite. A, she's effective as a villain. Um, she's she's. But she's sort of like in the background. Mm. She starts off very much in the foreground where she's um, she wants to learn uh, the leash priest's powers. And she said, nope, um, your destiny is to rule, which I read when I was doing research. Somebody said, oh, what a patriarchal society. She wasn't allowed <laughs> to learn magic. Instead, she was ordered to rule the country. Like, what is that? <laughs> I'm not quite sure you know what that means. But anyway, it's 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 like going, hmm, yeah, it's like the opposite of a patriarchy. Yeah, you can't do the not so powerful thing. You but you you're expected to do the ruler country, whatever. Um, so she uh, gets she stops them burning Nagash's books, and she reads one of them, which is where she gets the elixir of life that we were discussing yeah. earlier. From she follows the IKEA instructions. Yeah, she, she's yeah. yeah. She can't translate this it from Nagash's Swedish, um, so it goes <laughs> a bit wrong. And rather than ending up with a Billy bookcase, she's got like you know a vampire a blood, bloody bookcase, as it were. <laughs> so she has to feed off the um, blood to maintain herself. She shares it with. Um, uh, sort of inner circle becomes this yeah. deathless court. Um, she tries to get Kalida in on it, who's her cousin, who yeah. is the Asp, uh, she's like Asef's chosen, whatever. Yeah. Um, when she realizes that Kalida won't have it, she tries to kill her uh, and manages to kill her um, yeah. and tries to infect her uh, against with no consent. So that's, that's a bit villainous, isn't it? It's a bit, bit, uh, I'm not going to say the word, but it's yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't want to be. Yeah, we know where we're going. That demonetized. Um, yeah, or, or, <laughs> or gold. community standard strike or whatever it is. Um, so she um, right. So she tries to do it that way. So she's like devious. If I can't persuade her, I'll I'll give her the um, 
Mm. Uh, the vampirism where she likes it or not. The Fortunately, strange thing is, though, that the novel, the um, Josh Re Reynolds novel, makes it that she, it's very much from a place of love. Like it's, it's the oh, fact so that he's a vampire apologist. Then she, I think it's the idea of Neferata is so in love with her cousin, like not you know not in that way, but you know like she she loves her so much that she's like, look, I want you to exist alongside me. I want you to do this, and the the fact that she doesn't want it like you know like uh Kalida sees it for you know what it actually is this horrible kind of curse uh that Neferata sort of goes no 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 and forces it on her uh I I don't know I think it's done from a like not from an evil thing like she's not trying to punish Kalida yeah you're just a vampire apologist which is <laughs> I, I think it's just because like I think Neferata is one of the wonderfully nuanced characters of yeah and she's not she where they actually just you know think of myself murder everyone i think yeah that's why i picked her because i was thinking if you're going for the stereotypical you know villainous factions all of them seem i don't want to see like be a hipster like oh it's too obvious but yeah you, you vlad manfred Nick, well nagash is a different category because he is a world-ending threat. But everyone else in the book, and Neferata isn't even a playable character, I don't think. She, uh, she she's in the end times, and she has she? rules in fifth edition. She her rules, I think, are the when they brought out the first Vampire Counts book. So I think it's fifth right. Um, but she's she a cat. They retconned the cat, which is you know she had a what what's his name Bastet. Oh right. Bastet. Yeah. and you could put him next to a, a unit on the board and then it got bad luck so i think it got like my <laughs> or something and it was one of the ugliest models i've ever seen because where it was one of those ones where you know you know where they don't quite know what scale they're going to so oh. and they don't and and it's like they've never seen a woman before so <laughs> she's got like you know, her tits are far too high and then she just <laughs> has these little tiny, the, the hips are far too low down. It's it's an awful model. I've got it somewhere upstairs because, I don't know, completionist. But, <laughs> yeah. To break that out. She's another one with a great hat if we look at her end times incarnation. See, like, that, that is a hat. The, the strong hat game towards the end of fantasy. <laughs> um, But anyway, yeah, so she corrupts the, or oh, if, if you want, brings everlasting life to the Lamian court. Uh, and then I think it's a brother steals the elixir. She's, she's very selective about who she brings in to be a vampire. Um, she, and the, they come up with sort of rules to say like, oh, we'll only feed on prisoners and stuff like that. But it's mm. like a secret that she can't, she can't maintain it. And the bloodlines start to evolve um, with these strong personalities who have all been part of the court. And she sort of loses control of it a bit, and then that sort of spirals off into the vampires having a, you know, doing their own thing in the world. Hmm. So I thought she was when you, when I was reading about, her, you know, I know I knew about her just from the Tomb Kings book that you know you get oh yes, she Kalida fought her and yeah. the the Asp goddess uh, cleansed her of the vampiric taint. When you look into her, she's she's really I found a very interesting character. Um, and then she, she's still alive now, apparently. She's, well, in, in the end, yeah. not anymore. But she's I, holding out in some dwarf fortress where she's got a network of spies who, and informers. Um, 
and she's sort of like she's an arch manipulator she's she's getting information and intrigues from courts around the world like the the empire Britonia, the Ulthuan, Nagaron and she's sort of manipulating events behind the scenes and she can she's not like she doesn't use her vampiric powers to in a, such a like an overt way like to invade mm. somewhere or to raise a load of people from the dead she's sort of manipulating things behind the scenes and i thought that was if you've got the gift of immortality that's just as a legitimate way to get your ends that's not i'll rephrase that that's just <laughs> as a legitimate way to uh, achieve your ends as conquering or as uh, raising loads of uh, people from the dead or using magic so i i found it quite an interesting because she's not she's still a villain she's a vampire yeah. who's you know <clears throat> trying to com- uh, corrupt the world into her own what it, what she wants but the more i read about her the more well, i found her an interesting because I, I wasn't really aware of her much before that she she's a she's a fascinating character like i would never have thought about her but i think that's exactly her power the yeah power is that you don't realize that she's such a player in you in don't the even world. realize yeah you don't even think that she exists but you know she yeah, like a lot of the stuff that happens, like, he, you know, when we look at anything to do with the vampire counts, we kind of go, is that Neferata? Like, is that actually her doing? Like, when we think about, like, Vlad and Vlad Manfred and Vlad dying, you kind of just go, was that? Yes, was that instigated by her? Was that assassin sent by her rather than, like, uh, Manfred? Or Yeah, is she pulling the strings from behind the scenes? Or... Yeah. And, like, I know it's it's only... And she's, she's one of the few vampires to like stand up to Nagash, where she serves Nagash willingly because it's the best course of action, rather than being kind of enslaved or, or you know, yeah, like, is it more it, like a self-preservation she, sort of thing? But yeah, it's the best for her outcome is to do because you because you have like Manfred, where he's kind of like, oh, I'm going along with Nagash and I'll overthrow him at some point and things like this cockiness where it's not going to work, like. You know for a fact, like, and then he tries that. Like, I think in the novel they had about how Nagash gets back to life, it's Manfred working with Ark and the Black. Uh, but Manfred's like, and then as soon as Nagash gets born, I'm going to kill him and steal all of his power, and then I'll become the great necromancer of the world. And it's like, good luck with that. Yeah. Whereas, whereas she, Neferata, you kind of just go, she's doing the same thing, but you kind of go, you might actually pull this off. You're actually clever enough to. She's like, um, she's like the archetype of soft power yeah like not, she's not using you know military means or whatever that she's using influence and manipulation and um i just found a really i just found a quite interesting that i'd never known anything about before as i was reading anywhere so i thought yeah she's yeah. a, a and, and she's, she's not evil in the sense of like she's a vampire and she like murders people and stuff like that but her her actual end goal is just domination. It's just, mm. she just wants to rule the world and she just wants to be the ruler of everything rather than say, like when we talk about the Dark Elder or we talk about Nagash who have far more horrible end games. Yeah. Uh, Neferata is just like, uh, everyone, all the countries in the world can keep carrying on the way they do and we can have the empire, we can have Ulthuan and stuff as long as I am the person in control of all of these things. And yeah, I'm the pulling the strings I'm, behind yeah. everything. And there's also some, I don't know, it depends again how far you want to read into it. 
there's some interesting character development because she rules Lamia and she tries to keep it all a secret and she tries to run it, but it, it inevitably leaks out and the nation's destroyed. Um, so she sort of learns that um, that sort of power isn't as effective. So she changes them. She changes the methods. So that's when she becomes like a behind the scenes influencer. Mm. So that, that was quite, I mean, it's only a small I, thing. I think it's, I think quite... in the novel it has it where she, basically when when she's been around for too long and that people would notice that, oh, you are 300 years old or something, uh, That I think that's why she sort of takes a backseat and then lets someone yeah. rule in her stead and she's like telling them what to do. Uh, but then obviously as soon as they find out that she's still alive and she's still pulling all the strings, then that's how the fall of Lamia occurs. And she like she picks people who she or she identifies people who would be useful to her, and that's how she inducts them into becoming vampires. And she'll set she'll set things up so that adventurers will come to her um, dwarf castle. But it's exactly who she wants. Yeah, uh, it's like it, it, you know she'll manipulate it so it's exactly who she needs to turn up to convert into a vampire or do something that she needs to complete some task that she needs doing. So she's very controlled and manipulative, and it's um, I like I was, it. Yeah, I was surprised. So, well, uh, that's my number two. I'm going to go into my number one now, which is someone who is very, very similar to um, to uh, Neferata. Uh, what have you guessed? Well, I've put um, uh, Morathi. You've got it. Yes, yes. Knew it. My number one, my my villain, <laughs> uh, my greatest villain in all of Warhammer is Morathi. It's so. In fact, you hate women as well. Yes, but I'm I'm more blatant about it because. Uh, <laughs> but no, I I think it's the fact that Marathi is just like. It's the fact that she's not evil at her core, but she still does everything. Like it's the fact that she is there from the start. She's responsible for so much stuff. Like Nagash is like a blip on the radar when it comes to what Marathi's seen and what Marathi's like influenced. They, you know, then obviously by, you know, by connection, uh, Neferata is the same, where she's like less than Nagat. But Marathi is, yeah, like, because with Malekith, Malekith is a, he's a tragic character. He's someone where you feel like something's been stolen from him. But then Marathi is just, you know, she, I don't think she was a good person to start with. I think she no. was a jealous person to start with. And, you know, and we don't really see a benefit to Anerion, like being married to Marathi. Like No, she's had like a, a single minded objective for personal power and power for a son. Yeah. And everything is manipulated into that and, objective. And it's even though her law specifically points out that she genuinely was in love with Anerion and that, you know, she's genuinely kind of in love with Tyrion, who she believes is like Anerion's like sort of uh, you know, reincarnation. It's the fact that you still have that nag nagging feeling of going like, but you married him for power, didn't you? You know, or, yeah, yeah. And it's that kind of. She's just so evil from like uh, from bringing in like you know from utilizing the chaos gods. Like her her last moment in the end times, her last moment in Warhammer Fantasy is that she's like, I'm going to open a rift that allows Slanesh to enter our world just to kill my enemies and i don't care if i get swallowed up i don't care about anything i just want 
to destroy these people that have pissed me off. And it's so selfish. It's so wicked. That's, like that's her a whole good, thing. That's a good uh, term for a selfish because she's um, she knows what the um, cults of pleasure and all that. She knows that it'll, it's not in the interest of even dark elf society to have these things run out of control. Yeah. But she's 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 either a semi-open or open slash worshipper by the end. Yeah, and, but, and it, it's this idea where it's purely for power. It's not yeah. that, you know, you get the impression that she doesn't like pleasure that much. She's not about, so she, you know, she's beyond the point of sort of liking orgies and stuff like that. It's the idea of she's doing it purely for power because she knows that she can control this. Like she's... Oh, absolutely. She's it's done like, deals with Slanesh to be like going, hey, do you want to kind of destroy this place together? And then she's fucked over Slanesh. Then she's like, you know, like, and then, you know, and she's, so she's like, you know, um, uh, double crossed a chaos god. Like, the, the you know, and because there was that, like, the cult of pleasure lists, wasn't there, where you had dark elves allied with Slanesh demons and things yeah, like that? The, I think like, it got retconned, but the fact is, it's it's in everyone's law. Like everyone, yeah. you know, you look at the eighth edition books and they're like, oh, cool. The cult of pleasure didn't really, you know, that it was all a trick and Marathi didn't mean it kind of thing. But then you still go, no, she's still, she'll use chaos for power. Like, you know, when we have the fall of the, what's it called? The vortex in dark elf in high, well, elven law and stuff. She was like part of that. She was just like, you know, it's just a tiny rift into the realm of chaos. You know, it's not going to you know, cause too much of a problem. Uh, but, oh, it'll destroy Ulthwan, though, so that's good. And then you think about Malekith, where Malekith is his tragic figure, but Marathi's always there behind him, and regardless of what he thinks, she's manipulating him. Like, he's doing exactly what Marathi wants. Like, there's a wonderful bit in the video I posted a couple of weeks ago, which is where... Malekith starts actually sort of becoming a better person where he starts getting bored of his hatred of Ulthwan and he's like, well, actually, maybe we should just focus on having like a making, you know, Nagaroth as um, good as it, it can be and stuff. Is this and, you where know, they find his wife? Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then Marathi's just like, got to fix this, you know. <laughs> <laughs> can't have my son being happy. <laughs> oh, no, well, no, it's not, it's not that. It's can't have my son doing what I don't want him to be yeah, doing. It's like that break of control that she's in relation that she's got over him because yeah. he's like he's now happy well closer to happiness with his wife You're like no that can't happen that's it and it, i think there's specifically a line in the law that basically just goes like you know how it cheered her up to see the final glimmer of hope in naga in m in malekith like die so that she knew that like he would just only ever live to destroy uh Ulthwan. and you're like that's that's bad parenting. <laughs> I'm going to put that out there. Like my hot take for the day is that that's that's you know I think if they'd done wife swap or something, but like Nagaroth edition, you know, who, you just, who would uh, who would I think Alariel swapped it? Well, yeah, Alariel swapped with Marathi. Um, I think that could have no, been. It's, but it's usually a status swap, so it wouldn't be a king swapping with a, a queen swapping mm. with a queen. It would be. I don't know, some peasant in um, Sterling. <laughs> and she's just like, okay, well, crops aren't doing well, so I think you should kill everyone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you should kill everyone in the entire village. Yeah. Next next door farmer seems to be doing better than us. Why don't we raid him and kill all his family and steal all yeah. his stuff? 
I've enlisted the help of a chaos god. <laughs> so you know to till the field. Yeah, that's it. And I'm just about to double cross them. So uh should we go? Yeah. And I, I and I love I love Marathi. I think Marathi is one of my favorite things. And it's it's this idea when we have um when we have when we talk about Neferata being sort of like a villain, but you don't realize it because that's how clever she is. Marathi's like the sort of you're aware of me. I'm absolutely terrifying. I'm behind everything, and you're aware of some of it, but not all of it. Like you know, like yeah, it's uh, even going back. To I, I think like she's the, she doesn't seem like much of a threat, even though she really is. Uh, even going back to how an Arian found her and re like rescued her in inverted commas from a celestial warpath. I, I, I think that's setup. high elf propaganda <laughs> right there. You know, that's a to that's a total setup. That she wasn't rescued. She was part oh, of that no, warpath. Look, make it look real. <laughs> yeah, make it, right, the yeah. keeper of secrets is like, oh, all right, mistress. Yeah, I don't know why they talk like that. You know? It's because they're from 1880s London. It's probably because I can only do like two voices. But... <laughs> <Sound> <laughs> all like right, the, mistress. Uh, right, I'll, I'll make it look real. I'll cut you with my little slaneshi claw. Right on, Gavner. You sounded a bit like the peasant from uh, Warcraft there. <laughs> <laughs> There's um, obscure references. Yeah, okay. count them. Um yeah, I, I fully agree with um, Marathi. But in like everything, she's got this grand plan, and even when because there's a time when Malekith locks her in it, like locks her up, because he doesn't she sac she gives up Grand or she sacrifices a load of things to chaos or something, and he's, even he says, oh, "Hang on, you've gone too far here." But yeah, well, even yeah, then um, you get the impression that well, she expected this. Well, this is I, all I, part of. It's, it's all this plan. thing. She's wonderful. Like it, it's the thing is, I think the Dark Elves and Marathi especially make me want there to be a Warhammer TV show. Like because she's the perfect games of Game of Thrones type villain. Where you know where it's it's this idea of even when they think they've got her, she's still the one pulling the strings. Like yeah. So I think I think uh, you know where Malekith, you know Malekith, um gets beaten. I think Malekith gets defeated by Teclis. In a fight, because Teclis, uh, Teclis uh, reignites the flame of Asurian in Malakith. That's the Battle of Finnival Plain. Yeah. So, is, and uh, then, and then Malakith, so Malakith escapes from it by going into the realm of chaos. So he's missing for months. And uh, Marathi's like, oh, and then Nagaroth explodes, and everyone's like, I'm going to be the new uh, Witch King, kind of thing. I'm going to take charge. And uh, and I think Kuran finds. When he when he comes back and he's like, what the fuck? What what's happened here? Um, and he finds Marathi in jail, and then it turns out that actually Marathi's put herself in jail to keep <laughs> herself safe. But then she's manipulating everyone with a network of spies, yeah. and that she's got you know, and that she's controlling the entire country from a jail cell. Yeah, it's, yeah. isn't she like she's keeping? She's deliberately saying, "Oh, you you'll be the next." Um... Witch King, or you just to keep them destroying each other yeah, so that none of them raises to the top. And that ends with uh, Kuran being like, Oh, I'll just kill all of them. I'll get them all in one room, murder them all. And then Marathi's like, Cool, I'll unlock the jail cell. Right, that was fun. <laughs> now to business. And you just yeah. like, and she's so perfect as a villain. Like, and I don't, I get annoyed that, that there isn't more media that we can have a character like Marathi in. She would be a good like Game of Thrones, uh, sort of like a more competent uh, Cersei. Yeah, I, I I just think yeah. Imagine that like I I think that's the thing. It's like I 
you know, 40k, because they've kind of hobbled the law by making it so dependent on space marines, you couldn't do a TV series because it would it would just only be from the space marines point of view. Like you couldn't have it where you're going, hey, now let's cut to what the Dark Elder are doing, you know, kind of thing. Like that wouldn't fit. Whereas fantasy, you could happily go like, okay, the orcs are the protagonists of this. And we're going to cut to the Dark Elves and what they're doing and what the Skaven are doing and stuff like that. You could make an amazing show with that, you know. Any Hollywood producers listening to this, and I know you do, <laughs> if you want to spec script, write, comment below. You'd have to wrest the rights from Games Workshop. <laughs> yeah, they've realized after Total War that they've got a cash cow here that they weren't using before. That must have been the day that, you know, I, I just keep thinking like, We've burnt, blown up the world, and then they've made Creative Assembly. Have made the best game they'll probably ever make, based on a line that we no longer make. I, I just think. Imagine the, all the people coming. Oh, I've played Total War. Um, can I buy some stuff out of Total Warhammer? Uh, no, you can't. Uh, but, but we do have this Age of Sigma stuff. Is that the we, same? It was embarrassing because I remember that, like to- Total War Warhammer one like best game of the year where it won like all the awards for sort of like this is like the best game that came out uh, and then games workshop sent out like a a newsletter being like hey you know it's like you know you've played the game now own the models we have <laughs> carl franz on griffin and um uh, and 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 a wizard yeah, uh, you know, because you're just going like, "Oh, cool! Can I buy Balthazar Gelt? No. Can I buy Marathi? No. Can I buy, uh, you know, like the Bretonians? No. Uh, oh, can I buy? Can I buy Heinrich Kamler? Yes, but we've just called him a necromancer, so it's no pointless searching on the store. Um, well, I love the new Tomb King DLC. I'd like to buy some. And, oh, and you're God. just sitting there being like, and you know, the the least they should have done is had a tie-in made to order. Rather than a very awkward mailing list where they just went like, hey, we've got models, but they're not what is in the game. You know, if they just done it where they go, for a month, we're going to bring back bloody, you know, Throg. We're going to bring back like Sigvald. We're going to bring back, um, well, actually Sigvald was around as like a standard hero, I think. You know, we're going to like bring back, uh, you know, Balthazar Gelt and stuff. There's so many of them, but I can't think of them because I don't know the orc names. But all of the models, like Greasiest Goldtooth, I don't he hasn't been in the games, but it's that kind of thing. Yeah. Where you if just go, that... oh, they're not available. Like like you get people on trading groups being like, Oh, I'm willing to pay like 40 quid for uh, a Vlad von Karstein model, because I really want one. And then you're like, it's on the you can just you can still buy it on the web store. Oh, but it's listed as vampire. So, you know, surely they would make their website where where you could search for the old name and it brings up the model still. But then, no, see, you have all these people playing Total War being like, can't get that anymore. You know? Yeah, because it's great. I want to buy it. Uh, <laughs> have you seen the Idenith Deepkin? Like, they're not in the game. Yeah, and, um, and we haven't even gone into the fact that bloody, you know, she's fucked over her own race as much as she has, like with Hellebron, like. You know, with Malekith, it's, yeah, she's a danger to everyone around her. And unlike Nagash, I think she is, I think she's going to do it. Like, I think, you know, I genuinely kind of think <laughs> that, like, even if she came up against Nagash, she'd probably find a way to destroy him. Well, she's you know, been around this long, so she's yeah. a survivor. But that's it. It's No, I absolutely love her, and she's my pick for the greatest villain in Warhammer. 
I think you might. Um, this isn't any particular order because my next one is a very obscure one from 40k. <laughs> Moonclaw. No, it's yeah. similar. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of him. But it's the Doom of Malantai. <laughs> isn't that a Tyranid? It is a Tyranid. <laughs> oh, I, I, these aren't in order, are they? No, they're not. This okay, is, I was going to say because it's like that. Well, no, you're also talking to me about being an edge lord. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> no, this isn't. This isn't number one villain. This is just okay. This is just a. But this is the one I struggled about because I thought should I have Galro? But it doesn't I, th have... I think that the most horrible thing we have about the Doom of uh, what is it? Malantai. Malantai. Malantai is that model, isn't it? The same as the Red Terror model. Oh no, they never had a model for this. Oh, okay, right. Because that Red Terror model is like going. You should have yeah. remade this. You should either stop selling this or remake it. Because this is like third edition. It, it doesn't even awful fit metal. In, yeah, <laughs> it looks like a, a length of pasta. It's like, it's like Bellacore, where you just like, and this is twenty pounds. <laughs> this sort of in white. Yeah. Um, the Demon Malantai is just a. He's not even in the game anymore. Um, but his uh, law is uh, High Fleet Naga has a. Is fighting the Eldar. There's this craft world called Malantai, who um, sort of they, they break the, one of the tendrils of Hydra, um, sorry Naga, and um, it's sort of clearing up and killing all the what's left. And there's one final bio ship that crashes into it, and they think they've killed everything, but one of the zoanthropes ends up crashing through the Infinity Circuit. So it absorbs all of the psychic power of the craft world, which is which turns that's quite up a lot. To, that's... Yeah, that's that's so it turns it up to eleven. It's not just a normal <laughs> zoanthrope. It instead of feeding on normal stuff, it's fed on the entire infinity circuit of the craft world. So it ends up um, just ripping the craft world apart, and then it vanishes. It's it, it never comes back, <laughs> unfortunately. But I mean, that's a bit daft but it's I, I think it's a it's a testament to uh tyranid ingenuity really oh, yeah. like anything else would just explode and the zonophobes like i can do it you know yeah uh so yeah, everything else has died so it, it one it it takes on the entire craft world and um reduces it to ash um absorbs all the infinity circuit absorbs all the psychic power um but if you ever saw it in the game it didn't have a model. I don't think it had a model, but you just you know use the zone throat to represent it. But it had some crazy rules. Um, it had this uh, spirit leech rule. So anything within six inches of it, any enemy uh, had to take a leadership test on three d six, and then lost the amount of wounds that it failed the leadership test by. Yeah. Um, stacking onto that is um, it was automatically. It gave minus two leadership to all Eldar uh, and Slanesh demons for some reason um, mm. in its, um, what do you call it, synapse range. So it's minus, so if you play an Eldar, that's 3d6 minus two. Your leadership's minus two and it's 3d6. Yeah. It gained a wound for every wound it caused. It gained a wound back to a maximum <laughs> of 10. And then it added 10. It added its number of wounds to its uh, warp charges. So in the old game, if you remember warp charges, that's what fueled your psychic powers yeah. rather than rolling a dice. So this thing, unless you killed it immediately, as soon as it started racking up kills, 
Um, oh, and it had a warp mastery of five, I think, which meant I think that was how many powers it could cast. So unless you killed it immediately, when it started killing things, um, it became unstoppable, and all of its little abilities buffed itself. So it was like... Holy hell. I've because I'd never heard of it. That sounds absolutely that sounds like the Nightbringer of Ninth Edition, the Necron Night uh, Nightbringer of eight, uh, of Tyranids, really. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I mean, I think they got rid of it in sixth, um, and then I, it wasn't in. It might have even been fifth, but I think it was sixth that got rid of it. Um, I, I don't know why, because the Tyranids were completely debuffed, and this was like a little thing that you could build an army around, yeah. but it's like this it, it sort of sums up the tyranids in a bit that you know you, you leave something uncontrolled or you, you take your eye off the ball for a bit and they just take a total advantage of all the biomass around it and this thing is just you know it's killing people absorbing the wounds yeah. buffing its own wounds which means it can kill more people which means it gets more wounds it had a three up invulnerable save <laughs> and 10 like maximum 10 wounds so it's hard to kill and you can either, it's the same thing like distraction can effects to speak of Tyranids. You, you can point yeah. all your guns at it to kill it and get rid of it, in which case the rest of the army goes around and does whatever it wants. Or you can ignore it and it just starts wiping stuff out. How many points was it? I don't know. I can't remember. I haven't, I can't find my old well, Tyranid codex. Otherwise, that's terrifying. Like, I, I don't think it was super expensive though. Well, I, I'm like I like I say, I brought up the Nightbringer for 40k. That is the silliest rules I've ever seen for anything. Like, I don't know if you've seen the Necron, the new Necron it's, Codex. I haven't seen the new one. I remember the old one where it's like you couldn't kill it. It's just, it's just like the most silly thing in the entire world. And then, you know, and then an FAQ came out because because we, we were like expecting, oh, you cool it. Everyone's bought it. Everyone's using it. It's like meta at the moment. And then they're going to nerf it in the next FAQ. And then the FAQ came out and they were like, oh, it's 20 points more expensive. And you're like, really? That That's all you're going to do? Like, <laughs> uh, it's, and it's, what is it? It's something like, I think it does like, it has like seven attacks or something and does three damage a hit, but that extends to like six damage and you can't take ward save, you can't take invulnerable saves against it. And, that's, that's and it, right. it ignores any abilities that stop you uh, ignoring wounds, so you don't get feel no pain against it. And then they FAQ'd it just to make it a bit worse. They FAQ'd it that that also includes like uh, wound limits, so stuff like units that kind of say, "Hey, they can only suffer three wounds a turn." He's like, nah, "Oh, I like um, Thracker." Yeah, like yeah. Thracker, and they're going to give to all the Primarchs, and they've given to like what's his name the mortarion and stuff yeah and he's just like no cool i can just kill you like and and then on top of that he's a psyche and then on top of that he has shooting as well and and it's just ludicrous and he's like 207 no i think he's like 300 and something points and you're like when would we not take that you know like and it's like it's like a distraction con effects but that's incredibly difficult to kill because it can only suffer three wounds a turn well that's why i think they should bring if they're gonna go mad which yeah, bring this sort of thing back because it's just the sort of uh, nightmare fuel thing that you want as a Tyranid player. Well, I, I like it as the Eldar because like the, the Eldar are sort of like a 
you know, like they're, they're a dead race, essentially. Like, you know, the Dark Elder are kind of thriving, whereas the Eldar themselves are, you know, they're, they're like survivors. They're like the last stragglers of this amazing race. And to lose a whole craft world yeah, to, <laughs> is such a, in the context of the Eldar, is such a massive deal. Uh, but it's a shame, isn't it, that Tyranids don't really have special characters. Like, uh, There's you know, the Swarm I, Lord, who's probably the only one. They had the yeah. Parasite of Mortrex. Uh, the, the Red Terror, and didn't Red they Terror. have Old One Eye? Old One Eye, yeah. Yeah. But but the thing is, these are kind of like, they're, they're like sort of Vlad and Isabella, where it goes, hey, these existed at one point. So when you yeah. play them, it's kind of within that law. Yeah, because they're all, like, the, the Old One Eye's dead, I think, canonically, even though yeah. he comes back. But I think he's believed to be dead. This, the Doom of Malentai, is is a one-shot thing. It, it did Malentai in and then it vanished. I don't mm. know if the Parasite of Mochex is still about. The Swarm Lord's still active. It's still alive, the It's just like, it's just floating around in space being like, I hope it, I hit the orbit soon. It probably is. Yeah, it's probably going absorbing a sun somewhere. <laughs> Maybe that's the Neferata of 40K. It's secretly... <laughs> it's, it's hyper... In, no, it, it's done a it's whole... Absorbing the warp. Where it's become, it's become beyond flesh and beyond matter and it's become possibly. a god behind the scene. The should... the sixth the sixth chaos god, uh, the Doom of Malatai. Yeah, he's got to have a name though. He's got to be like Jeff the Tyranny. That's a bit unglamorous for something that can bring down a craft world. Like, to be fair, would you argue with him if he said, "Hello, I'm Jeff, and I can destroy you with a"? Thought? I don't think he would say anything though. He would just sort of absorb your essence and move on. Well, I hope he doesn't say anything because I can't really do other voices. So he's either a cockney <laughs> or he's silent. So <laughs> we'll go with silent. Silent's fine. <laughs> but yeah, that was just my daft um it's not really a villain, as you're saying, because the the Tyranids motivations are you, you don't know what they are, they're animalistic or what. I, I I kind of like the idea though that like I think there's been a niggling thing and I think Games Workshop bring it out occasionally in editions and then they kind of retract it and they go, oh, actually, yeah, let's not go too far. But where the idea of the Tyranids have sort of break-off consciousnesses where you have stuff where you have the hive mind, which is unified like the Borg, but then you have it where occasionally there'll be like dissenters within the Tyranid race and that could cause a problem for them. And I kind of like the idea of, like with Moonclaw, where there's not much on the page, but you could do something with it. Like, maybe, like, you know, to bring bloody Starcraft into this, um, you know, where Kerrigan becomes like a, a splinter of the Zerg, where she becomes a separate entity that can think for itself. I kind of like the yeah, idea. You could that do that. It's like, like a, a hive fleet that got cut off for an extended period for some yeah. reason from the yeah. hive mind. All these people are becoming so intelligent and so independent because it absorbed more energy than the Tyranids ever had individually like and so many so much intelligence and souls from the craft world that it could become uh you know like it actually goes oh i'm actually separate from the hive mind now i can actually become a splinter kind of you could definitely do something with that yeah you could totally do like you could make that into a separate villain and i think that's it i think i like it being on the list as well as the fact that it destroyed an entire fucking craft world. <laughs> they'll, uh, they'll probably like, ignore this. Five of these. You know, it's like, <laughs> it will, really? yeah, there's, a, there's a sixth of the population dead. <laughs> like, oh, great. That's what we needed. <laughs> Thanks, Tyranny. Good thing it didn't land on, is it Ayandan, who's effectively all 
um, Infinity Circuit using things. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It'd be like, that would have been a bad day. Yeah, be a new god. Mm. Um, well, that's that's my top five. I think some... I try to keep it a bit, as I was saying, hipstery and not obvious, even though I've got Angron on it and Helbron. I, I, I like them. I liked all of your choices. I think mine were probably a bit straightforward, but yeah. I think they were still... <laughs> I think they were justified. Certainly, Nagash, Marathi, they're like the top yeah. top threat in uh, in the old world. I will put your Instagram uh, and the link to your um, your YouTube channel below. Uh, like, subscribe, share, ring that bell. Go to OnlyFans, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you like law and uh, well painted models. Uh, don't follow me on Instagram. <laughs> oh, come on. Another good painter who says that they're not a very good painter. I'm struggling with this bloody... I, I'm good for... I'm like a red mage where basically you get to a certain level of skill, but you don't get higher than that. But it's good. It's like good enough. Uh, but, you know, like when you see people like... I'm painting Bretonians at the moment and, my, and I'm sick of my life. I hate them. <laughs> like I, I, I've painted a... I painted a whole Vampire Counts army, a High Elf army, and a Beastman army in the same time that it's taken me to do one Bretonian army because I just lose the will to live painting all these horses and heraldry. And then you see some some clever bastard on Instagram who's like, I've a hand, you know, like I've sort of like, um, what's it called where you draw really wonderfully by hand? Um, oh, freehand. Yeah, I've like freehanded all of the sort of you know all of the stuff on all of the horses for all of my like uh like for 40 bloody uh bretonian knights and you're like yeah well that's inhuman uh, <laughs> it's although to, to the other side of that if if you're on reddit um and they'll go oh i just picked up my first model today what do you think and it's like heavy metal quality like <laughs> who are you trying to kid that is not your first attempt at a model that's it it's like I think we should have competitions. I want to have a competition which is like to paint as badly as possible where I get all of the people I know who are like absolutely stunning, like commission painters and stuff. Like, <laughs> you know, like, like, cause you, you had Ian on the show a couple of weeks ago, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. And it's just like how amazing he is. And I'm just like, okay, the, the competition is to paint the worst model you possibly can where we're wanting to see sort of like a eyes that look like eggs you know, like fried eggs kind of thing. We want to see like sort of, you know, everything missing the mark. I, I want to see that. I want to see that. That would probably cause some people to have like aneurysms. <laughs> They'd be like, but I must make it look good. Yeah, the precision is not off. <laughs> um, well, thank you for joining me on episode seven. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. And I hope that people have enjoyed hearing us talk shit, really. <laughs> Well, if they haven't enjoyed, um, at least it cranks up the view count. If they've got here and they haven't enjoyed it, then have they considered <laughs> possibly being a Dark Elf or Dark Eldar, really? Because that's, <laughs> that's a level of sadism. It's a big commitment to pain. Well, anyway, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Bye.